You're listening to the Jewish Living Podcast. I'm Rabbi Nachum Math. We're going to talk today about the law of brachas on drinks and other things as well. The bracha, the prayer that we're going to discuss today is Shakol Bivaro. Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Shakol Bivaro. I saw it's his favorite one. It happens to be it's a, it's a it's a beautiful prayer. It is, in a certain sense, of the most beautiful prayers when we we say before you take a drink of that cup of coffee, you say Baruch Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam. Blessed are you, God, King of the World. Shachol Niad Bidvaro. Everything is is caused in by your word. It's such like a reaffirmation of core belief. It's a very, very beautiful prayer. I actually know someone who did not grow up observant um, or really connected to Judaism at all. And they told me that someone inspired them. They love coffee. And they may they were very inspired to recite the bracha of Shahakolni Abivaro on their first cup of coffee they have every day. And just take a, take a minute, have some gratitude, appreciation for that cup of coffee. And I recognize as I drink that cup of coffee, this cup of coffee came into existence. It came into existence with God's word. And that set this, that set her on a journey to like really embrace her Judaism. It's like such a cool story for two reasons. A, it shows like the power of like a simple, beautiful prayer that's recited with like a little bit of consciousness and awareness and how deep of a spiritual impact it can make. And number two, it shows us the power of coffee. So I love that story. Sorry for, for all my tea drinking friends, but uh, we're, we're a coffee drinking, uh, I'm a coffee drinking guy. So that, that's what we're going to talk about. What's that? It does apply to tea too. Yes. You can, you do, we do make the Barakha Bashak on the on tea as well. Um, so let's talk about this bracha. The, perhaps a good way to start it is let's talk about drinks. Now, we'll, as we're going to get to in a little bit later today, this is a prayer that we actually recite. It's, it's almost a catch-all where you recite it on most things, almost most foods and beverages. Get the We recite the bracha, shakol niyabidvaro. But in order to put it in context, maybe let's take a step back do a two-second review what we did last week so that, or one of the things that we did last week, so we'll be able to put it into context. If you recall, we talked about that when it comes to fruits and veg- or vegetables, a fruit or vegetable, we, we said fruit, the prayer, the bracha that we recite on fruit is bore priha eitz, blessed are you, Hashem, king of the universe. Bore priha eitz, who created the fruit of the tree. For a vegetable, bore priha adama, who created the fruit of the ground, vegetables. We talked about, yes, last week, last time we met, that if you have a, a fruit or a vegetable, if you destroy it, if you reduce it to the to such an extent that it's no longer recognizable, nor is it complete. Those were the two criteria. It's you do something to it so that you can no longer recognize wh- what it is. And also it's not complete. So we said popcorn, you can't recognize it, but it's complete. So it still is considered a vegetable. The on popcorn is bari priyadama. So, or if it's recognizable, even if it's squished, but if it's recognizable, we talked about applesauce, let's say, if it's kind of thick, you know, you still see pieces of apple in it, depending on how pure, well, finely pureed it is, but assuming it's a thick applesauce, it's still considered a fruit. Okay? Is everyone with me? Does that make sense? 
If you take a fruit or a vegetable for that matter, and you squish it in such a way that it's no longer complete, it's like not its complete thing. And number two, it's not recognizable. It gets reduced out of being a fruit and vegetable and it's now downgraded and you recite the bracha of shakol niyabivarel. Did that make sense? So another way of looking at it is if I take an apple and I squish it, I take an orange and I squish it, I take a carrot, I puree it. It's not really complete. It's like, I don't know, it's liquid and it's not really recognizable. So pureed, mashed, uh, um, squished, juiced, other verbs that you can stick in there to, that you do to fruits and vegetables, pulverized, thank you. Um, let me actually go back to my notes over here. So then um, so then, it um, it's going to be a shahakol. And that's really a story. All fruits, uh, all uh, juices are going to be shahakol niyabavarel. Um, sometimes you cook, I think like prune juice, apparently, I think you cook the prunes. Does anyone know how to make prunes? I think you boil the prunes and then you, and you drink the juice afterwards. It's a shahako. It's going to be a shahako. Virtually all drinks practically are going to be shahako in the Abivara. But Rabbi, what about orange juice with extra pulp in it? I know you were all asking, right? Was that what you were thinking? I read all your minds, right? I happen to think I couldn't, I didn't have a chance to look it up. I know it is, it, it, it's, it's technically speaking, it probably is like right on the borderline. You can kind of sort of recognize those pieces, kind of, sort of. The minog, the tradition is everyone still makes a shahakal, even on pulped orange juice. That's, um, again, academically, one can debate that. And as a matter of fact, if a person made a it's on it, it probably would work. Practically speaking, Juice, even high pulp, make a boat, make a shot called the Abibaro. Does that make sense? A similar type of, so that's that's a story. That really is in a nutshell. That's your story with almost all juices. Okay. Similarly, a very similar thing is with soups. So a soup, let's say you have a vegetable soup. Now, a word of caution. Oftentimes, vegetable soups have all sorts of things in them. One of the topics, which is really going to be a critical topic, which we're hoping to get to either next week or the week after, is going to be the discussion of what happens when you have com food combinations. I've got a soup, and it's got potatoes, and it's got onions, and it's got um, barley in it, and it's got rice in it, and you've got all sorts of things, food combinations. It's going to be one of the most practical. I don't know about you, most of the foods that I eat are have multiple ingredients in it. That's going to be a really, really, really important class. Like really important class. That'll be either next week or the week after. Let's assume for a moment. So, so I kind of want to pickle that. That's not the right word. I want to put a circle around that, like not discuss what happens if you have a soup that has many different types of ingredients in it, because we're going to run into that problem. Let's talk for a second about a pureed soup. And I'm not eating anything else with it. I take cauliflower and I puree it. What bracha do you make on that soup? It's, what's that? So bingo. It's, it's really going to get down to the same rule. If it's really pureed, like you take a, one of those submersion blenders or even if you, right, and you just 
I know my family, it's called zhuzhing. It's like an onomatopoeia. That's the sound it makes. If you blend that, if you blend that soup and it's really pulverized, so there are really no pieces, that's a shahakal. Even if it's got all, I mean, in that case, it's, you know, you got, who knows, like, I'll tell you, I put onions, garlic, I put leek in there, a secret, secret ingredient, leek, right? Oh, there you go. Spartic. It is Spartic. Um, it's, it's a healthier version of an onion. This is what I, I've been told, but it's very flavorful, right? And you put all that in and then you put cauliflower, by the way, use that as a base for any soup, leek, celery, onion, garlic, saute it, put whatever. Okay. But this isn't Rabbi Meth's recipe class, but I mean, whatever it's oh, okra. Okay. Okay. He's going, he's going out. He's, he's out there. I got okra. So, so if you do that and then you really puree it, so you can't tell, right? It's, it's really, it's, Liquidy, then it would be a shahakal. However, if you dice the pieces and you want like stuff in there, like pieces of cauliflower, pieces of potato, and there are like actual pieces in there, so now it's a hadama. Okay, did everyone follow? It really goes back to that same rule. It's going to depend just how well you puree it. Um, Question. How many pieces? Really, if... if so I'll, I'll give you a practical example. Practical I've example. Seen chefs before, you said cauliflower and garlic. I've seen the cauliflower soup before, where they take a little bit of raw flowers and just kind of on. Okay, so that's that's going to get to the question is is let's say you have a pureed soup, and there's just a gar that's a garnish, right? They put a little I don't know chives or parsley, right? It's going to really get into our next class, which is going to be the class of primary and secondary types of foods, ikar and tafel, then what we would say is if it's really a garnish, so it's really two separate ingredients, if you think about it, there's a pureed soup and something that's just on there as a garnish. As a general rule, almost all the time, a garnish will always be secondary. So the primary bracha in that kind of scenario would be the shahakol on the soup, and then don't worry about the garnish. Did that make sense? Again, that's really next week or two weeks class. But theory, no, really what you're asking is I'm having a soup and then I'm, there's also a little bit of thing just to make it look pretty. Now, there's a difference between that versus a lot of times they'll make soups where it's pureed, but then they actually want to chunky it up by putting some chunks in it. It's not a garnish. It's actually part of the recipe. So then it would be a hadama. What's the difference? Where do you draw the line? Case by case, I it's, I don't know. Like it's it's this is you're gonna have to use your judgment. At what point is that's just a little parsley on top just to make it look pretty? Versus no, those are actually vegetables floating in there to give the food the the soup some more texture, richness, body, whatever other things that chefs do to soups. So then it, it really would depend. Does that make sense? Yes, not like because like your intention, it, it's because that like helps define what's going on. I know. Yeah, but we're going to really cover that that stuff next week. I don't mean to punt, but I'm punting. Till you had a question? Theoretically, but you're, you don't need to, and it's probably not even a good idea. Because you really, whereas we're going to see that when we talk about the, the rules of primary and secondary brachas, if something really is secondary and and Secondary, you, you, it, it's not, it's not a good idea to make the the second bracha. It's not needed. It's totally, it's subordinate. Would be the way that it's really is subordinate. So certainly, like something like parsley, 
is almost always, I mean, sometimes parsley is part of the ingredient, but it's almost always like a, like fresh parsley, the sprigs, that's like a garnish, right? People to that as a garnish or the top, something like that. So then I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, wouldn't make a roll. So that's the story with beverages, milk, no question. That doesn't come from anything from the ground. That's going to be a shahako. Um, there's only really one exception by drinks. Drinks are, again, as I mentioned, virtually all going to be shahako. There's one exception. There's one drink that we don't make a shahako on it. And that is, of course, wine. So let's take a minute and talk about wine for a second. With a caveat, and this is like, again, not really the theme of this discussion, but I think it's helpful. We've talked about a couple of weeks ago that functionally speaking, all fruits and vegetables are kosher. You just have to worry about bugs in your fruits and vegetables. The one exception or an, a notable exception to that is wine and great products. Great products and wine really do need uh, to be kosher supervised for a variety of reasons, gets into a conversation not for today, but that's going to be the one thing, which is why almost all wine is not kosher. Wine is one of those things where you need to buy like a specialty product, kosher wine. Where do you get kosher wine? Thank God we have Smith's right here. Um, they have a, 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 um, a pretty wide variety. Um, you can get online nowadays. You know, let's back up a little bit. Wine and more, Total Wines, they all carry a, a pretty nice selection. Go online, kosherwines.com. There are a million and one very good options and selections for kosher wine. Back up just a little bit of Jewish history. When I was growing up as a kid, you had two choices. The Manischewitz disgusting wine and the Kedem not quite as disgusting wine. Those are basically your two options. Judaism has come a very long way, even in my land. I'm not so old. I, at least I don't think I'm so old. Maybe some of you guys think I'm so old. I don't think I'm, but it's come a long way in the last couple of years. I mean, there are Jewish wines that are, you know, first of all, have won a gazillion awards. You know, that Bartonura, the blue bottle, you know, whatever that thing is, that's popular even in the non-Jewish world. That's a very popular, you see advertisements for that in the weirdest places. People drink that wine. It's very, it's, I mean, it's low alcohol. It's very sweet. It's more of a soda than a, than a wine, but but I flag that just as we talk about wine for a second, you got to keep in mind wine and grape juice and really anything that's a grape product, processed grape, you're going to have to make sure that it's good. So for example, as a kid, you always got to watch out for like fruit roll-ups. If they're grape flavored, going to be a problem. Now, most of them don't, but fruit flavored candy, I'm sorry, grape flavored candy is a potential for a problem. Okay, so you got to keep your eye out for that. Um, look for kosher supervision. But again, if you want kosher wine, I don't even think it's all that much more expensive. I mean, it's it's probably like a couple of bucks more expensive relative to the non-kosher versions. Yeah, it's 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 not. It's very accessible. It's very. It's not. And there's some good. If I can just my own two cents. That eleven dollar bottle of Barkhan wine they sell them at Smith's. That is a good. I'm, I'd be shocked if there's a better $11 bottle of non-kosher wine. The, the Barkhan, Teal Lake Shiraz is very good, but the Barkhan Cabernet or the Barkhan, I'm not like a huge wine guy. I enjoy a glass of red wine every now and again, but I'm just pointing that out. Like that's a good, easy thing. If you're like looking to get a little bit more into Kashrut, wine is like an e like meat is more expensive. There's no way around it. Kosher meat is going to be significant. It's, it's going to be more significant. I don't get the sense that wine is that much more. 
Um, you just have to look for it online. You can get it anywhere. Kosherwine.com. They'll ship it to you and uh, easy to get. Question. Yes, ma'am. So our family. Okay. So it's it always bothers me, and I know you don't always want to like make out about the line But it almost it really bothers me that to say a bracha, especially by the nuns, over something that we drink it and go. <laughs> okay, so the question is, what are your options if you don't like grape juice and you I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what I usually do the other way. No, it's not a waste of breath. You do it's again it's gonna take us a little off course, but we'll we'll go off course just for a little bit. And that that's the question is there is a mitzvah to recite Kiddish Friday night over wine. Or grape. Let's maybe can we hold the thought for two seconds, and I'll get right back there. Let's talk about grape juice for a second. Just real quick, so, uh, you're in the fabulous Oh yeah, half the wines that you get that are kosher are going to be from Israel. Oh, the Goline winery. Winery. I went there when I was like 19. That was so much fun. Can I just? I'm sorry. I'm ADDing here for a second. I went on this this trip to the Golan Heights when I was like my first year in uh, at post high school. And we went to the Golan winery. They make three, I think they still do. It's Gamla, Golan, and Yardin. And they're, at this point, there are a million and one. So we're up there. And this was the, there was this, the, the vinter there was this French guy with this long beard, this thick French accent. I'm like, you can't make this up. Like, this is what Israel is all about. I've got a French vinter who looks like super Jewish talking about like tannins and, and bouquet of wine. I'm like, it was so cool. It, it was just so cool. It's, I've got great pictures from, uh, from that little trip. It was, uh, it was a ton of fun. And, and there, there really are a lot of excellent, excellent um, wines grown in Israel. Let's talk about grape juice. And then we'll talk about Kiddush Friday night, just because that was what was brought up. Grape juice. What is the bracha on grape juice? Punchline. The answer is Bore Prihagafen. It's interesting, just as an aside, who that that's not a simple thing because wine is. To, oh, let me back up just a second. Historically, there's never been such a thing called grape juice. Grape juice does not exist in the na in nature. Grape juice is a very, very, very modern innovation. Why? When you squish a grape, whether you like it or not, there's bacteria growing on the peel of grapes. When you squish grapes, the fermentation process begins right away. And you there was never there was never a way to preserve grape. You can squish a you know a grape and drink the juice, but within minutes it already starts fermenting and it will just continue to ferment. You can't stop that process. It's going to turn into wine very, very quickly. Grape juice was really invented in the early 1900s where they, I don't know, they did put some stem cells in there. I don't know. They, they did something magical to, to, to make it that it won't ferment. I don't know what they did, but it's a very recent innovation. And the great halachists wanted to know what's the bracha on, on grape juice because wine is always considered, it's grapes that have been squished, but it's always had the property of being an intoxicant or having alcohol, which by the way, wasn't a bad thing. That's why people always used to drink wine. 
just as an aside, water used to kill people because it had all sorts of horrible diseases floating around it. Wine was actually, that was the only drink that you can have. Like beer was the other option. Alcoholic beverages were a lot considered a lot safer because there was far fewer, you know, dangerous diseases floating around in alcoholic beverages. So people used to drink this stuff far more often um, than we do today. Um, but that's just as an aside. The great halachists of the early 20th century ruled that grape juice indeed is considered a substitute for wine. The legends all, all have it. I can't quote you the chapter and verse, but the the, the, the the stories all go is that the Catholic Church followed Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. They asked, they knocked on Rabbi Feinstein's door and they said, Rabbi Feinstein said that grape juice is good enough for Friday night kiddish. So the Catholic Church said it's good enough for communion too. So uh, whatever. I don't know if that's a true story, but I think it's true. Um, so that's the story. Grape juice is a Boripiragafen. However, this is an important point, very important point. If you dilute wine, Let's say you have some cocktail of, of some sorts. I actually make a cocktail on Purim. It's the, 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 the Purim punch, which is really good. If that was made out of wine, as long as it's more than, let's say, 50% wine, it still retains its bracha bori hagafen. Yeah, yeah. It's still bori, bori hagafen. I apologize. But, but, right? Grape juice, however, if it's diluted with anything, even if it's just a little bit, you're in a big fat problem. So do yourself a favor. You dilute grape juice, leave yourself a little bit of undiluted grape juice, make a bori pinagafen on the undiluted grape juice, and then drink um, whatever it is that you have. I'll tell you a story that once happened to me is once upon a time, many, many years ago, I was studying in yeshiva and we were in the middle of nowhere. Um, kind of our yeshiva was like on an enclave. This is when we were in Miami Beach, but we were it was out in the middle of nowhere, not inside of an Eruv. And we had a yeshiva. We had, let's say, 30, 40, probably 40 guys there. And the only grape juice that they had, I don't know who gave the kosher supervision to it. They used to make these extra light grape juices, which are basically grape juice that were diluted. They were grape drinks. You can't make a bori priagafen on that, on that. We had no other wine, no other grape juice in the building. And we couldn't bring, like, you couldn't walk, you know, three or four miles, you know, to because there was no Arab. So what do you do? What do you do if you don't have wine or grape juice for Friday night, for Friday evening, getting back to Kiddush? So what you do, and this is the only time I've ever done this in my life, if you don't have wine or grape juice for Kiddush, so what you do is as follows. You make Kiddush Friday evening on your challah. You make Kiddush on your challah. During the daytime, you can make Kiddush on anything. Any like what's called Hamar Medina, any like, I would call it like a drink that's eaten, that that's uh, drank, drunk, drunken, like as as like a real like a coffee is fine, soda maybe, but certainly beer would be okay. Um, that's what we did, and that was kind of interesting. So diluted grape juice is a problem. Jules, let me get back to 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 the question of what do you do? Um, what was the question? It was oh Friday night. What do you do Friday night? Lauren wants to know. I don't like. Um, so again, the question was, you don't like grape juice. So you do, you should still make, you should still make the Kiddush on, on, on something. I'll tell you what I do. I happen to enjoy 
like a bottle of wine. Like I enjoy wine. So the covet Shabbos Kodesh to honor and celebrate Shabbos, even though I know like, okay, it probably means I'm not going to drink. I don't know what's going to be with the other half of the bottle or whatever. So I'll open it anyway. And I figure that'll be, that'll be my way of celebrating Shabbos and God will pay me back for, for the, 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 the $6 of wine that doesn't get, that's what I do every now and again, if I'm not feeling I'm like, I'm just, I'm like tired or something like that. So I'll just have grape juice and, and call it a day. I don't do Havdalah on grape. That gives me heartburn. I just, so I'll tell you what I do. I have my kids make grape. You ever, you ever been to my house? You ever been to my house? You always want to know why Isaac or Akiva are making Havdalah? Because grape just gives me heartburn, especially Saturday night. I don't know why. So the day Akiva was bar mitzvah, and I'm like, Akiva, you're now Havdalah guy. Akiva left, you know, to go study in yeshiva. Isaac got promoted. He got called up from AAA, and now he's the starting Havdalah guy. When all my kids aren't around, so then I have to do Havdalah. But that's what I do. So, um, okay. Any other questions? Or, oh, oh, Jules had a question. Okay, definitely a shahakal. Yeah, concentrated. It's going to be diluted. Definitely can't make kiddush on it. Um, I don't know if they make. The, yeah, just double check the kashrut. I'm sure you can find it, but but definitely diluted. Diluted is. It's going to be back to life. Yeah, it's a shahakal. Kedem has one. I don't know how they do it, but you make hagafen on the. I don't know how that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. Don't forget the app. Says, so let's go check the 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 CRC apps. I don't know. It's a good question. It's from Concentrate. Um, if that's true. Um, let's talk about. Oh, we have a visitor here. Okay, sorry about that guy. Let's talk about water for a second. Water. It, the bracha on water, right? I always saw a great, what is that? I saw a great bumper sticker. It's like, water is life. Without water, there's no coffee. And without coffee, I'll kill you. So water water equals life, right? So um, the bracha on, on water, of course, is shahako. However, and this is an important halacha that comes up. You have to make a bracha on anything that you eat. If you're eating it or drinking it for one of, and, and one of two things happens. You're drinking it for the purpose of hydration, or you're getting some kind of nutritional benefit. Okay, I'm going to say that again. If you drink it for the purpose of hydration, or you're getting some kind of nutritional benefit, regardless of what your purpose is. That's a funny way of saying the following. If you're drinking water so you can down a pill, you don't make a brach. Okay, if you drink orange juice to down a pill, you're getting nutritional benefit. It's not, there is, there are calories in there. So then you would make a shahako. You make, you recite the prayer on orange juice or any other drink or any other food because there is nutritional benefit. Water in halacha at least is considered to not have any nutritional benefit. It hydrates you. And if you're drinking it for hydration, of course you make the bracha. But if you're drinking it for non-hydrational, that's a word, purposes, specifically like drink downing a pill, that will be the one time where you don't, where you drink something or consume something and you don't make a bracha on it. Okay? That's a, that is the halacha. But if you were coughing and waiting to drink, coughing, would you use, a bracha and then take another drink, take that another on, on orange juice, for sure, because orange juice, it doesn't matter what your purpose, what your intent is. Orange juice has nutritional benefit. I don't know if you're drinking water, if you're coughing, is I think that's considered hydration. You do make the bracha if it's just water. Oh. 
take the sip, make the bracha, and take another sip. Uh, probably you probably figure out a way. Like I, it's hard to envision that you really are in a scenario where you absolutely couldn't even word a bracha. If you were really again, friend's gonna die. Obviously, you drink. There's no question. But you'd probably have just shooting from the my hip. I have two workarounds. Figure out some way to, to just like mouth the bracha. Or if you can get someone else, we'll see this in a minute, hopefully, get someone else to make a bracha for you. That would also work. That, that, that's what I would recommend. So that's the story with drinks. Any other questions? Drink, Darren has a question. Yeah, provided that that person is also going to have a drink. So, okay, let's, let's talk about that. On anything and everything, Anything and everything. Let's digress for a second because it might come up in 10 seconds. Um, we'll see if we get to it tonight. There is a concept called Shomea Ke'ona, which means when you hear a bracha, really when you hear any prayer, any prayer, whether it's this class, which we've been talking about, Berchos Hananen, the brachas on food, really any prayer, Berchos Hatfila, prayers, prayer, prayers, vir virtually any bracha, if you don't, for whatever reason, someone else can recite the bracha for you and you just say amen to it and you just fulfilled your obligation. The one thing that's always important to throw out is at least if it's a bracha on food, that person should also be eating from the food. And if it's a, and then that's it. And that's actually what used to happen in the good old days. And that is, is you'd have one person just recite everything and that's it. And everyone just listen carefully and say amen. And it's always a good workaround whenever you have a scenario of, you have, of a bracha, you're not sure to make a bracha. If someone else is making a shahakal or a, whatever it may be, that person says the bracha out loud for you and you say amen, you're good to go. By the way, that's what you should be doing if you want to know my opinion and the Mishabruah's opinion. That's what you should be doing on Shabbat. One person recites hamotilach amen haaretz. Everyone else, you don't say hamot, you just say amen. Don't say a new bracha when you take a slice. Again, you can if you want, but the preferred thing is not to. I'll tell you why. Because the dude making the bracha, he's got that hopefully has lecha mishnah, if you recall. You're supposed to have two loaves of bread. So he's the one making the bracha. His two loaves counts for everyone, provided that you're not reciting your own bracha. He's reciting the bracha for you. Does that make sense? Similarly for Kiddush, for sure Friday night on Kiddush, if I'm reciting the Kiddush on Friday night, I'm having excuse me, having everyone in mind, you just say amen, don't talk until you get your wine or grape juice, and then you drink and you're good to go. Okay, question. Ah, so we're going to talk about that. I'm sorry, I keep on punting, but that's going to come up in, let's say three, what happens? That's going to probably, yeah, three weeks or so. We'll talk about that. It's, it's worth pointing out, bread fulfills all of, if the bread, the bracha on bread fulfills most of your bracha requirements on a meal. Not all, but most. There are some notable and important exceptions, which we'll get to, please God, in, in due time. But that's the story with uh, with that. Shahakal, let's just wrap up Shahakal. Shahakal, we recite basically on anything that it's it's kind of a default. So if you're not a fruit, you're not a vegetable, you're not wine. So we finished, we finished wine. It should be noted. There's one, one point. I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I hope I don't confuse everyone. There's one other bracha that's recited on wine. That's not Bore Priyagafen. Is anyone familiar with this? It's a very obscure, 
halacha. I'll throw it out there, but it's not practical. Don't worry about it. But it is worth just for, for the academic purpose. There is one other bracha that you recite. Anyone familiar? For 100 points. Alex? Very good. Very good. It's the bracha of hatov Oh, Darren, oh, it was on the tip of your tongue. There's a special bracha. It's actually a beautiful, beautiful bracha. The laws of it are somewhat nuanced and intricate, and it doesn't really come up, so I don't want to get into it, but it, it, it should be noted, at least in passing. There is a concept that if you have a bracha, if you have if you make the bracha on a cup of wine, and then you bring out a, ni- a nicer bottle, a night with a nicer bottle. So you make a different bracha called Hatova Ametiv, which is which is a bracha, which is a bracha that's actually very similar. If you're familiar with bracha of which is a bracha we say on good tidings, Hatova Ametiv is the sister bracha to Shahiyanu. It's a bracha that we recite for good tidings that apply to multiple people. So for example, if let's say your family, you buy a new house. You would make the bracha, let's say, tova it's, it's the whole it's the whole house. So if you have a new bottle of wine that's clearly better than the first one, and you're drinking it in a group, and there are six other things you have to worry about, which we're not going to get into. So yes, there will be a scenario where instead of making a bracha of hagafen, you make this bracha of tova hametiv, which is a beautiful bracha. It doesn't really come up practically, but it's worth pointing out there because it's cool. Concluding shahakal, as we said, so again, you've got fruits, you've got vegetables, we've got grain products, we've got bread, and then there's everything else. Milk, dairy, let's see what else I've got. Meat, fish, poultry, dairy, eggs, candy, sugar, anything else. Um, Or, as we saw earlier in today, if something used to be a fruit and vegetable, but got pulverized, pureed, and reduced, so it's it's going to be sort of the lowest common denom- denominator is the bracha of shachol Okay, does that make sense? It's it's really an open cash all. Darren had a question. It's called the lowest common, Yeah, I've always it's it's one of those questions. I'm not really sure the answer to is that a lot of the things that the bracha is shachol we will recite it on like the most expensive cut of meat. So I I, I don't know. I don't know. It's like I, I don't exactly understand that, but um, but but that's how it goes. Yeah. Now and then when I said it's a catch all, by the way, or lowest common denominator, it actually really is that in a very specific, very literal sense. The hal- the halacha is if you recite a shahakol niyabed baro on basic basically anything, by let's say you did it by, by mistake or for whatever reason you recited shahakol niyabed baro on an app, you've actually fulfilled your obligation. Okay. If you reverse that, let's say I say bore pri ha'etz, you make the pr- the prayer for a fruit and you recite that prayer over a cup of milk, you have not fulfilled your obligation. You need to make a new shahakal. What's that? It would also be considered a brachal of atala, which means it's a bracha, it's prayer, it's instead in vain. You shouldn't do that. But a shahakal ni'abaro is a catch-all that actually has a couple of relevant points, which I wanted to talk about. If indeed you can't determine the correct bracha on a food, what do you do? Now, that's a broad question. I can't determine. Why can't I determine it? 
So there could be a couple reasons why you can't determine something. One reason why you can't determine what bracha you should make on a particular food might be because it's halachically not clear because it's a matter of halachic dispute. So it's not so much I can't figure it out as so much as the Mishnah Bura couldn't figure out or some very sacred saintly rabbi couldn't figure it out. And you will oftentimes see in scenarios of halachic conflict, we will just say, just make a shahako because it will work according to all opinions. So you'll see that come up every now and again. A different application, which you'll see some people do, which I think is a little bit misunderstood, is if a person's like, hey, Bill, what bracha do I make on this, whatever, cheese curler? What bracha is it? Is it a hadama shahakal eighth? Oh, well, you know what? Rabbi Meth said that the bracha of shahakal is a catch all, so I'll just make that. So in theory, that is true and it will work. However, that's not really advised because that's not so much I don't know. That's called I'm being lazy and I didn't get the CRC app and look it up or call the rabbi to figure it out. Now, theoretically, yes, it would work, but it's really not the best practice. There are several other things that I would recommend that I was actually in this book, they, they pointed out, and I, I thought it, was a, it would be a good idea to, to share. A couple of things that you can do if you don't know what bracha to make on, a, on, a, on, on some food. So again, CRC app is great. Call a rabbi, also great. If you don't have that as an option, say it's Shabbos, you're, I don't know, who, you're on the other side of the world. There are other things that you can do. Number one is go find two food items that are clearly, let's say you're not sure if something is a ha'etz or a hadama. Is it a fruit or a vegetable? Guess what? Get an apple, get a tomato, make a bracha on the apple, make a bracha on the tomato. You're good. And now you eat your whatever it is that you weren't sure it was. You're fine. That's option number one. Option number two is what we just discussed, is if someone else is going to be making one of those brachas, have them make, because they're they're eating an apple and you're not sure, do I need to make a bari bar eights? Get them to recite a bracha on an apple. You say amen, and then you eat your uncertain food. That's also going to work. And a third option, which or fourth or whatever number we're up to, is always, a, a which is halachically definitely permissible and is brought by halacha that you can do, is if you have bread. As Lauren pointed out, bread will cover most, not all, but will cover most food items. So if you just say, hey, I don't know what bracha to make on you know, something, have a, have a bagel, make a, the bracha of hamotzi lachem and aretz, and now you're not going to need to make whatever bracha that, that you're un, unsure about, and you'll be covered. If all else fails, so yes, theoretically, you can make a shahakal on an un, unspecified, undetermined food, but it really shouldn't come up in a practical sense um, because there are so many, um, there's so many workarounds. Questions? Excellent question. So let's talk about that. What happens if you make the wrong bracha on, on something? So it really is going to depend what you did wrong. It, and two things. If you finished eating, you finished eating. Don't worry. I mean, there's nothing to do. You're never going to recite a bracha afterwards. Okay. The question is only going to come up is if let's say I still have what to eat. So I would say like this. If you set a shahakal, you're fine. Hadama on something that's in Ha'etz, if I recall, will also work. Hadama on something that's a Mizonos also work. Mizonos on something that's Hamotzi is tricky. These things usually, the, the real one that, that's that's totally okay is Shahakal on, on, on other things. For me, it's the inadvertent. You spaced out. 
So I think they say, and I have to double check, I'm pretty sure Hadama will fulfill your bracha on anything that's a ha'etz, but not the other way around. Okay? It's a certain hierarchy. That's, that's actually, well, let's actually talk about that right now. Let's talk about the hierarchy of brachas. There actually is a hierarchy of brachas. Let's say you have multiple things to make brachas on. So what do you do? I've, I've got all sorts of different foods, and we'll end with this. So the first thing is, if you have bread, you make the bracha of Hamotzi Arts. It's actually, it, it, it goes almost like in a pyramid. The more specific the bracha is, the higher it is in terms of its ranking and prioritization if you have multiple multiple brachas that you need to make. Hamotzi is the most specific. It's bread. Then comes mizonos, which is a little bit you know, broader, grain products. Hagafen is actually the one that comes next. Mizonos and hagafen are kind of side by side. They're kind of equal, but if you have, you know, if you have a cookie and you have wine, cookie comes first, and then you have the wine. Because wine, if you think Borupinagavan is very specific, the fruit of the vineyard, it's a of the it's it's a very of the grape. It's a very specific um bracha. Then bore priha eats the fruit of the tree versus boripriadama, fruit of the ground. If you think about it, eats a, a fruit kind of is also fruit of the ground. So it's it goes again. Motsi, Mizonos, Gefen, Eitz, Hadama, Shahakal. Did I do that too fast? It actually, if you think it through, it will make sense. And you go in that order because that is the order of um, prioritization. Does that make sense? Let's just end with one last. You know, let's not end with that. Let's let's let's, let's hold that for the next thing. Next week we'll talk about other type of issues of prioritization, and then next week maybe we'll see what we'll cover. Maybe we'll do subordinate and secondary Icar and Tuffle stuff because I think that's just coming up too much. So let's get that out of the way because it's so relevant, and then we'll move on to other things in the laws of brachas. Any other thoughts and questions before we we call it a day? Did I make everyone hungry? Are you getting hungry after like we talk about like, is everyone going to go home and like have a glass of wine? You know, like I find that like whenever I talk, and I used to see this as a buddy of mine, whenever we had, like if it came up in Gemara, sometimes it talks about foods and vegetables. I always be like in, in the mood of like whatever it was that we were discussing. So, all right, we'll have some Merlot when you get home. You've been listening to the Jewish Living Podcast with Rabbi Nahal Math. Please do us a favor and like and share this podcast, ask a question, or leave a comment.